Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Steve Thompson in for Denny Long. Denny doing well. He's in tomorrow morning with our Sunday morning programming, including Healthy Matters with Dr. David Hilton and Your Money with Peg Webb and Bruce Helmer. Here on News Talk, K3OWCCO. Smart Gardens underway. Teresa Rooney, Hennepin County Master Gardener, joining us today. And the phone number, 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. And that is good for a call or a text. We know it's going to be very busy. We're going to try to get to as many calls and texts as we can. But first, Teresa, good to visit with you. How have you been? I have been well. How have you been, Steve? Very good. Memorial Day weekend, a big one. I, I always wait till Memorial Day weekend to put my tomatoes and peppers in, so I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> That's one of the best times to do it because all chances of frost have passed and the ground's nice and warm, and then you'll put your tomatoes in there and the peppers, and nobody will be stressed out, so they'll grow much better rather than fighting with a cold soil in the earlier spring and then your plants are stunted or they don't grow or they die. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I saw, uh, UMN uh, Extension, Hennepin County Master Gardeners on Facebook, uh, talks about containers. And a lot of people maybe don't have a big yard or space for a garden, but a great way to do uh, all sorts of plants, including veggies, tomatoes, is containers. Oh, definitely. I think even if you just plant, say you normally just plant a container of geraniums or petunia, stick something edible in there, whether it's, you know, some radishes that come up early or um, a small tomato plant or some Swiss chard or cabbage. You you can still have your pretty flowers, but just throw something edible in there, too, and it's, that can be another beautiful thing. But, yeah, growing, growing veggies in containers, just about everything can be grown in container. The larger the container, the better. But, yeah, I love growing veggies in containers. Then you can really control the... The soil, you have to water it, but uh, other than that, it's just great. Yeah, I have a little spot uh, near the deck in a corner of the house. It gets a lot of sun all day, and it is kind of my uh, cherry tomato grown in container area and they just love that spot because it's so warm and it's so sunny all day and it's kind of shielded from the wind and the cold if you will if we do get one of those days and the cherry tomatoes love it. 
Perfect. And because it's so close to where you are, you are always seeing the cherry tomatoes. So you're picking them and eating them. And that's what we're supposed to do. And they're up and away from the bunnies. And that's just wonderful. Yep. Containers are a wonderful way to go, especially if you don't have a big garden or if you have limited sun. There may only be sunshine on your on your uh, driveway. So you can set a, uh, a container out there. Just don't hit it with your car, obviously. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, what what are some of the things people should look out for? I know drainage is very important in using the proper soil in a container. Oh, that's that's a good idea. So make sure that you're the plant the biggest container you possibly can. It means that the plant roots will have a lot of space to grow, and you might not have to water as frequently. Um, also remember that the plant has to drain. There has to be a hole or more than one hole in the bottom. If you can, you can, uh, if you're planting in a clay pot or something that might have a little color on it, you may want to plant, put some little plant feet or a little pot feet underneath it and keep it up off of your deck so that it doesn't stain your deck. That's just something to consider. Um, you should always use a potting soil in the containers. It's really a soilless mix. If you have uh, soil left over from last year and your plants didn't have any problems in there, you didn't encounter any diseases. If you want to, you can just use that same soil. You can always just scrape a little bit off the top, throw in a little bit of compost, mix it up, and then plant in there. So you don't have to replace the soil every single year in the containers because that can be really expensive. If you did have a disease problem with one of your plants in there, then, of course, you want to change out the soil, disinfect the pot, and then start from scratch again. All right. Very good advice. Therese Saruni in on our Smart Gardens program. Here's the number again, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226, and that is good for a call or a text. Let's start on the text line this morning. I mistakenly spot sprayed some areas in my yard with a chemical that kills both grass and weeds. Uh-oh. Uh I will be reseeding that area. Um but should I wait a while before I try and reseed? That's uh, what I would do is look at the container. It will tell you when you can replant in that area and when you can reseed in that area. So sometimes it's only a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's two weeks, sometimes it's three months. So depending on what product you use, you have to read the instructions and it will say, okay to replant in such and such a time or okay to overseed in such and such a time. And this is a good idea to always remember to know what you're spraying or putting down and why you're doing it. So, yeah, that that can happen. Yeah, you, you, you grab the wrong container and think you're doing a good thing, and then, uh-oh. And then uh, all of a sudden you realize, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, one of the other things, uh, anybody that has uh, dogs, uh, they, they find the dog spots as well mm-hmm. in the yard. And, and we always get texts on, on turf, and I thought I'd follow up with that. Uh, okay. Best way to go to clean those up. You know, the best way, what happens is it's just like your dog has over-fertilized that area. It's a fertilizer burn. It's it's a high-nutrient high, high burn is what has happened in that area. So what you need to do is water really well. Uh, you can scrape up a little bit of the topsoil, put down just a little bit, um, but water really, really well, add a little bit of compost, and then you can overseed in that area, sometimes using the uh, the seed that comes in like the green little mix that's got everything in it. That's a nice, that's a nice patch. 
and they it, it saves it from the birds and you know where it's going and everything else. Uh, you can also, if you can, train your dog to go in a special spot. Um, if you have a male dog, you know, invest in some people. And that's where you bring Fido over and when he pees in the post, you praise him. And then he can run around the yard. Or if you have a, a shy reliever, you know, uh, some dogs don't like to, you to watch them when they're doing their duty. So you just maybe um, have a little uh, little area with mulch or rocks, and you kind of surround that with some bushes. And then that's where your dog goes. And when they go in that area, they get praised. And pretty soon the dogs will know that that's where they should go. You can train a dog where to go. Uh, but, uh, you know, putting down all this extra stuff is not really going to be effective. Um, there's, there's products out there that say, you know, put this down and then water it in. Basically, it's the watering in that's really helping uh, just kind of dilute the extra nutrients and the extra um fertilizer, so to speak, that has been put down there. So you can follow your dog around, and as soon as they, they do their little duty, you can spray really heavily. But it's sometimes just easier to train them to go in one area to decide maybe you don't care what your lawn looks like or just to water well, clean clean up that area, and then replant. Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden okay. Show. Therese Haruni in today. And the number, as always, 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. And we will be going out to those phone lines uh, shortly. Uh, we've got Marilyn waiting. We've got Jerry in St. Paul. And, of course, we look forward to your call and text here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Teresa Rooney in today, and of course that uh, great website uh, that we always refer to on the program is extension uh, edu, and that that's a great resource, isn't it, Teresa? It is fun. There's so much on there. I, I spend, I have been spending a little bit of time on there, but uh, yeah, it's just wonderful. And there's the yard and garden line, and so you can really learn a lot of fun, exciting things that you might not even know about. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Marilyn, you're on the air with Teresa. Good morning. Hi, Marilyn. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, Impatience have always been my go-to flower for my flowering gardens. And a couple Mm -hmm. years ago, they started dying off, of course, mid-summer. I'm wondering, has anything been done? Are they safe now? And if so, how do I prepare my soil? Is there something special we can do? a really good question. So there was a, a, a disease that came through um, and really wiped out a lot of the impatience. It was nationwide. Um, if you have let your area rest for three years and not had impatience in there, um, go ahead and start over with your impatience. You can keep the same soil or if you've used it you know, like last year with different different um, plants or or if it's a container, you can keep the same soil. Um, if you have kept growing impatience and run into the same problem every year, then what I would try to do is maybe grow the resistant ones like New Guinea impatience and other other plants instead of impatience and give it about two to three years of no of the um, impatience that are uh, affected by this disease so that the disease can cycle out of your yard and, and you won't have those issues. So that's what I would do if you kept trying to do impatience, then just give it up for two or three years and grow something else and then go back to the impatience. If you have taken a rest, go ahead and plant your impatience again. 
Yeah, it's that, uh, I believe it's a downy mildew, and it really messes up the impatience. It kills them really fast. All right, good luck, Marilyn. Let's continue on the phone lines. Let's bring in Jerry from St. Paul. Jerry, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Uh, I have a problem in my yard with rabbits and squirrels. The rabbits have eaten as they came out of the ground. Most of the heads of my lilies, some of them were up a ways, and they chewed them all off. I don't know if they'll ever return. Mm-hmm. And some of the shrubs, they have a couple of them don't look like they're going to make it at all. Yeah. And they're, I don't know if they're going to chew like that all summer long. No. They won't. What? Yeah, no, what happens is in the winter, they've not a lot of the shrubs because there's nothing else for them to eat. And as soon as your lilies and hostas start to come up in the spring, that's the first green stuff that's growing. And so the bunnies are really excited and they're going to eat that. Once everything else is up and growing, the rabbits will leave that stuff alone and your plants may or may not come back. So what you can do next year is as we go into the fall and the leaves are gone off of the deciduous shrubs, Start protecting everything. Where you have your lilies, put up a chicken wire fence in the fall. Um, it, it won't look that wonderful, but you'll be happy next spring because your lilies will be able to come up, be safe, and as soon as they're up and growing a little bit, you'll be able to take the chicken wire down. Same with the shrubs. Put it up in the fall. Protect your plants all winter long into the early spring, and then you can take down that chicken wire. Okay. Is so. it time to take it down? I've got a butterfly bush that is, I did cover it with the chicken wire up last mm-hmm. fall, and it's mm-hmm. growing beautifully. And, and on last year it bloomed gorgeous, so I yep. don't know when to take the wire down. Yep. I, I think you can take the wire down now. Um, depending upon the bunny, po- the rabbit population in your area, of course, you can always hope that coyotes show up and eat them. Yeah. Or, or or owls or whatever. But, yeah, you can go ahead and take that down. The clover's up and things are growing, so there should be other things for the rabbits to eat. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to our vegetable gardens, uh, elevated gardens do wonders. It is amazing. It they is, won't yeah. hop up. They won't hop up there, will they? They, they usually don't. And what I would probably do, even with a raised bed garden, when I first planted, I would probably maybe put a fence up there for two or three weeks, just so things come up and the rabbits just, you know, even if they start to look up and try to get in there, there's nothing. They can't get in there. They pretty much ignore it after that. Then you can take the fencing down. If you're planting a veggie garden and it's on the flat surface, you know, put your fence up first, then plant the vegetables. Um, Don't, like, even leave them out overnight without protection. Once the rabbits know there's food there, they will try a way to get in over or under that fence or through that fence. So you just don't even want them to know it's there. So put the fence up and then plant. Yeah. Rabbits are fun. Yeah, let's bring in uh, Denny from Red Wing. Denny, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Denny. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for taking my call. I'm trying to uh, make my yard a little more pollinator friendly. Oh, wonderful. But I have a lot of clover. My concern Mm -hmm. is how to keep it in check because I think it'll take over my whole yard if I let it do that. It it probably will. The clover is a short-lived perennial plant, lives about three years. It can self-reseed. So what you can do to to kind of slow the clover down a little bit, you know, if you mow your grass a little bit higher, it may shade out some of that clover. So if you're letting your grass get up to three, four inches and then mowing it down to three, that'll impact the clover a little bit. So you'll always be mowing above the clover, but the clover will be, um, will be, uh, 
uh, uh, shaded out. Uh, that that's probably the easiest thing. Clover's not that invasive, or it's not that aggressive, um, so I really wouldn't worry about it. If you do find that you know it's just getting out of hand, you can always pull it, or you can use a broadleaf weed killer on the areas that you say, hey, you're just getting too close to wherever you don't want the clover. But it's usually not a problem. It has very shallow roots, and it's not going to take over. It's just uh, very good. healthy. Yeah. Very good, Denny. Thanks for the call. Quick break. We'll go to Lori in Holton, Wisconsin, coming up following our brief weather break on the way. And, of course, our number on the program, 651-989-9226. It is our Smart Gardens program. Teresa Rooney, Hennepin County Master Gardener, good enough to join us on this Saturday morning. Here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. It is our Smart Garden Show every Saturday morning. Teresa Rooney is in, Hennepin County Master Gardener. And Memorial Day weekend, a great time to be out in the garden and uh, plant, uh, putting the tomatoes out there, et cetera. And let's go to the phone lines. Let's bring in Lori. Lori, you're on the air with Teresa. Hello. Hi, Lori. Good morning. Good- Hi, good morning. Hi. I'm preparing a new garden, and I wanted to move some tulips and daffodils. When is a good time to do that, and how much of the soil around them should I take? Well, if you want to take all the soil, you can. Otherwise, you can, if you can just let them dry down, just let them die down as long as you possibly can so they get as much energy into the roots as possible, and then you can just dig them up and replant the bulbs at the same depth in your new garden. So dying down as much, uh, does that mean the leaves still The leaves, going mm-hmm. yellow yeah, yeah, water? the leaves going yellow. Yep, the leaves going yellow. What you're trying to do is let them have as much time to photosynthesize before you move them. Otherwise, if you can try moving them as they're still growing, just like you would any perennial, and they just don't disturb the, the roots, the soil. Um, so you'd have to dig the whole thing up and... And you can move them just like that, too, if you want to. Sure. Uh, from Without, our text? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, very, very good. Uh, thanks, Lori, for the call. One to follow up. A rhubarb right now is starting to go gangbusters. I, I've noticed the neighbor's rhubarb has started to seed. Is it important mm-hmm. to pull those seeds? It really is important to pull that off. Um, sometimes I won't even pull those off. I'll just bend the stock over uh, because it's a big hollow stock and, and you don't want to cut it because you don't want to leave a tunnel uh, for water and moisture to go right into the roots. So if you can pull it, um, sometimes it's easier just to bend it right over and just break it and leave it there. Yep, but it's the time for rhubarb to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, but you, does does it actually damage the quality of the stalks because that's what we're after? Oh, okay. So the long, the more you let it flower, the less energy it will put into growing the stalks and the leaves. So it's just like any plant, like an herb. Sure. You don't want it to go to flower because you want it to. In in this case, you're looking for the rhubarb stalks, not the leaves. Um, so yeah, you'd want to stop it from going to seed. There's really no reason for it to go to seed unless you want a pretty seed head for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And, and then beyond that with rhubarb, the, the way to harvest rhubarb properly. I, I know some people cut, but isn't it better to pull? 
it's always better to pull your rhubarb because by cutting it, you're opening up areas where moisture can get into the root, the, the crown, and you can get crown rot or the, the plant will get crown, could get crown rot and die. So you don't want that. So you always pull your rhubarb, cut off the leaves. You can leave the leaves right next to the rhubarb plant. They break down very quickly. They're not poisonous in the soil and they're a wonderful quick green mulch and a, and a, light little fertilizer as you just leave them right there and they suppress weeds for a little while well very good advice and, and you don't have Saruni. to walk it over to the compost bin you can be <laughs> yeah, really lazy and just yeah, leave it like right there i, I like that uh, Teresa rooney joining us on our smart garden show let's go to jerry and owatana jerry good morning hi jerry yes a very good morning to you uh, I have a large lot, uh, had it probably 35, 40 years, and during that time we planted trees. All because of laziness, or just plain not knowing what to do, I let the trees kind of grow out, and some of the limbs grew sideways, if you will. Well, now they're mm-hmm. quite large. My question is, how do I dare specifically this time of year, and then how large a limb can I safely cut off without uh, really damaging the trees? So okay. So there's an, up, okay, so there's a number of things you, you want to think about. First of all, what kind of tree, trees are they? If things like ashes, elms, uh, uh, apple trees, and oaks, no pruning now. You can't do any pruning. Then you want to realize those trees with the really horizontal branches, those are really good strong branch attachments, and that's what is really important for a tree. So those are the branches that won't break off in a wind. It's when you get those branches that are really upright and close together that you get included bark, and those are really weak branch attachments, and those can break really easy. Then you want to figure out, why am I pruning this? Is it only because I'm worried about the, the, the horizontalness? That's not a problem. Is it because I need to mow under there? Then you can limit up if it's the right time for this tree. What you want to think about then is look at the whole entire crown and say, I can only take off one quarter of those, that foliage. So think about how big the tree is and then take off the one or the two branches that you have to. Um, otherwise, you don't really have to prune them if they're if they're nice and healthy. They have the horizontal branches, and you don't need to get under there. And again, just make sure you know what kind of tree you're pruning. And the extension the website would have a really good um, show you good how to prune big branches because it's a three step process, and you want to be careful that you don't wreck the tree. So that's extension.umn.edu. Good luck. All right, Jerry, uh, to the phone lines again. Let's bring in Ed in Bloomington. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good program. I have two questions. One, I overwintered several geranium plants in my house, and I set them outside, but they are not blooming or they're not even making any buds. Do you have a help for that? Sure. Um, you can fertilize them lightly, but it's really early, and the, we haven't had a lot of sunshine for them yet. They take a little while to get growing, and, and if they were just, if they were overwintered, um, not as a house plant, but in in the basement, they have to put up a bunch of new leaves and a bunch of new roots before they're going to get to flower. So, so that's an option. Make sure that they're planted nicely, they get a lot of sun, and then you can give them some fertilizer. But otherwise, just give them time. They'll be there. 
Thank you. All right. And what, what about reusing potting soil that's a good quality soil? I was thinking of putting that, uh, remixing it, all the pots together in a tub and then putting some 10, 10, 10 fertilizer in that. Is that okay to reuse? Sure. It does. Soil is fine to reuse as long as you haven't had problems with diseases in your plants. What I would also consider doing is maybe adding a little bit of compost to that because if the soil is mixed, there's a little compost that helps. And then you can put in your 10-10-10 fertilizer or a, a time-release fertilizer and then refill all your pots again, making sure those pots have holes. It's a great way to just keep doing everything. But if you've got diseases, you can't reuse that potting soil. That has to go into the garden and or into somewhere, in, not in your pot, and then sanitize those containers. Very good, Ed. Good luck with that. It is 841. Therese Saruni joining us on our Smart Garden Show. We're going to be going to the text line. We have a lot of text to get to, and and we'll do that coming up uh, very shortly. But, Therese, I wanted to follow up on people getting ready to plant their gardens. One of the things I've done in the past is I'll take a photo of my garden, say, in 2019, so I'm not putting the tomatoes and the cucumbers in the same spot. I, I, I try to work the soil, uh, add new soil, amend, all of those sorts of things. But tell us about putting the tomatoes in the same spot every year. It's not that's a good a, thing. That's not a good thing. What you want to do is you want to rotate the families of plants. So your potatoes and your peppers and your eggplants, those are all in the same family. So you can't plant tomatoes one year and peppers the next year and eggplants the following year. That's all the same family. So you want to keep rotating your families, a family of plants. It may mean maybe you only have a two-year rotation because that's all the space you have. If you can do three or four years, that's even better. Um, and just rotate those families through. The same plants take the same nutrients out of the soil. They attract the same diseases. So what you're trying to do is build up those nutrient banks again, and you're also trying to kill off the diseases to starve them out. So the diseases and the pests that hit the tomatoes aren't going to hit your cabbage. So, so you want to keep rotating things. So, yeah, rotating your crops is really wonderful. That's why farmers grow two or three different crops, and you'll see their fields change every year. Um, or they or they heavily amend their soil is correct because they know what they're doing. But, yeah, yeah and, and then you can always, always add your compost. Yeah, you can never add too much compost. Yeah, and, and Teresa, you, you brought up containers and uh, thinking about reusing that and, and when to maybe switch it out. W- what about the raised garden beds? Um, is it important to, uh, as you pointed out, add compost, uh, amend that soil, swap some of the soil out? I, I typically do that every couple of years, kind of uh, move it around, maybe fill low spots in the turf just to kind of mm-hmm. add some new stuff every year to those raised garden yeah, it's, beds. It's, you would raised beds, they're sort of like a cross between a regular garden and a container. They, they are slightly <laughs> contained, um, but they also are connected to the soil. So the plant roots can go through into the, into the virgin soil, into the, into the base soil, and they can get some nutrients that way. But it's always important, if you have a vegetable garden, it's like a bank account, and you're taking things out of it all the time. You're withdrawing all that energy when you harvest. You need to remember to make some deposits. You need to put some compost in there. You need to put some organic matter in there to help build that soil back up again. And and if you can get that soil building nice and healthy, the plants grow so much better for you. 
All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll go to Linda okay. in St. Paul, and then we will go to the text line and get to as many of those as we can in sort of a lightning round with Teresa Rooney here on our Smart Gardens program. And we are on the air each and every Saturday uh, between 8 and 9 a.m., and we always get a ton of calls. And that website, as Teresa mentioned, extension.umn.edu, extension.umn.edu is an outstanding resource. We have more in a moment here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. It is our Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney, Hennepin County Master Gardener in today. And always a lot of calls and a lot of texts. Let's jump to the phone lines and bring in Linda in St. Paul. Linda, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Hi. (laughs) Um, I have a backyard, and it's filled totally with mature specialty hostas. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it has been until now. (laughs) Okay. We have an old oak back there, and last year um, I had a an illness where I couldn't clean up the leaves in the spring, mm-hmm. and they sat there all year. This year I cleaned them up. Now my several of my hostas have these brown spots, which I believe is probably a fungus. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of yellowing and shriveling up, and so I'm wondering, can I save the plants? If I do remove them, can I put another hosta in there because I have a lot of them or different plants? And um, then I have another question when we're done. Okay. Um, what I would do is I, I I wouldn't be too worried about the hostas. They probably have a good root system. What you can do is you can top dress with a little compost. And I, I don't know that the oaks would have hurt the hostas except maybe to have smothered them a little bit. But if you've removed those leaves, they should be okay. They should recover just fine. So I wouldn't be too worried about it right now. Just maybe top dress with a little compost and, and just keep watching and see what they're doing. Always go to extension.umn.edu and you can click on, you know, what's wrong with my plant. And it may be able to give you some idea of what's happening to your plants there. All right. And you had a follow-up, Linda? Slugs for the first time. Slugs. Oh, okay. Okay. What should I do for those? What should you do? Um, So can do is there's some uh, some products out there like Escargo, um, Slug, Sluggo. They're basically iron phosphate. You can use those around your hostas. Um, if you can also lay down some boards and then every morning go out there and the, the slugs are hiding under the boards, scrape them into a container, uh, kill them, throw them, get them out of there, however you want to do that will cut down the population. When we have a really moist area like that and they love hostas, you'll notice they like some of the thin hostas. They don't like the blue ones. They don't like the really thick leaves. But some of the hostas are just like, like slug candy. So you really got to see which ones they're treating. Because if you have a whole backyard, it might be, they're eating. It might be hard to treat the whole yard. So just look specifically for the ones that are really being hit and put your iron phosphate in those areas. And then try that slug Um, with the boards and getting rid of them that way. That'll really help. Good luck. Yeah. I have a lot of hostas and have had good luck with those products. You just kind of spread it around the entire base of the hosta, and it really does protect them. I I haven't had much trouble. A number of years ago I did. Now I use that stuff, and it works great. And and we don't – it's not supposed to impact uh, the, the the birds or pets, so you should be okay there. 
Yeah, we've had very good luck protecting the hostage. All right, let's go to the text line. Let's see how many we can get to okay, here, Teresa. Ready, set, uh, go. go. Um, how often should I fertilize my lawn? Uh, you can, if you want to do it one time, just do it in the fall as the as the uh, fall yard uh, the fall. Uh, otherwise, you can do it about once uh, once a month. What, what about in the heat of the summer? We get into July and August. Should you avoid it then? You never want to fertilize a plant that's under stress and hot, dry air, uh, sun. Uh, summer can be really hard on lawn. If your lawn isn't growing, don't fertilize it. If it's too hot, if it's really dry, don't fertilize it. Wait till it starts growing again and then fertilize it. From our text line here on Smart Gardens, when can I cut dead branches and sucker limbs from my ornamental crab tree? Dead branches can be cut at any time. Suckers, you want to cut those off, too. Um, if the suckers are from the base of the plant, you should be okay. If they're uh, water spouts, uh, you should have cut those in May and June or uh, March and April. If you have to cut them now, you have to sterilize your pruner, make your cut, seal that cut, sterilize your pruner, make your cut, seal that cut. Uh, is there a herbicide to spray over flowers, annuals, or perennials to kill the grass and other weeds that are, are growing in that flower bed? You have a choice. You can have a broadleaf weed killer that kills things like your flowers and your hostas. You have a grass killer that kills grasses and grass-like things like lilies. Then you have an, uh, 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 um, all-spectrum that'll kill everything. So you have to make sure that what you're spraying isn't. So you could use a grass killer, but it's not going to touch the dandelions in your in your garden. All right. So it, it, it sounds like the best alternative is to get in there and weed the old fashioned. You know, it's always best to weed by hand if you possibly can. You get a really good look at your plants. You can really be precision weeding and and you, for a lot of those weeds, if you get in there early, all you really have to do is just cut them off at ground level, let them fall where they are. They won't re-sprout again, especially through the little annual weeds. Uh, some of the daylilies have clumps that came up sideways with stunted growth and brown spots on the leaves at the base of the plants. What could be going on with the daylilies? Um, it sounds like something laid on them when they were coming up, whether it was a big snow, maybe the snow pile got pushed over there, the bunnies were laying on them at night. What you can do is you can try to uh, just gently upright them again, you know, dig them in, upright them again. They should be fine. Take off any of the leaves that have brown stuff on them and send them to the city compost. You don't want to keep that in your compost. All right. Uh, from our text line, my husband removed buckthorn from under our pine trees. Uh, is there anything that will grow under the pine trees? Is there, is there a turf, anything that, that'll survive under there? Uh, probably not. And the reason is is because your pine tree is like an umbrella. It prevents moisture from getting right to that area under the pine tree and prevents sunshine from getting there. Both things that plants need, water and sunshine. So you can put a soaker hose under there. Um, if you can get enough light, you can try things like the hostas and things like that. You'll have to run your soaker hose. The pine will like that, and so will the plants. Um, it, and the acidity, you don't have to worry about. There's no issues there with the acidity. It's just the, uh, the pine has taken all the nutrition from the soil. It prevents sunlight and prevents water from getting there. So when you replant under there, uh, just gently plant each hole. Add a little compost and then put your uh, your soaker hose under there too. 
Uh, Therese, we brought up cherry tomatoes in a container. It's probably my favorite treat as we get later in the summer when you pick those little cherry tomatoes, give them a rinse off, and uh, they're they're just so great. It's like eating eating sweet sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, One of my all-time favorites. I can hardly wait. But are there flowers that could work in a container with a cherry tomato? Oh, definitely. You could add any flower you like to grow in there. You could grow marigolds, nasturtiums, uh, probably not impatience, any of your sunflowers, you know, moss roses, any flowers that you like can easily go. Even petunias would look great. You know, some of the wave petunias um, in, a, in a container with your cherry tomato uh, could be absolutely beautiful. Both plants are really heavy feeders, so you're going to have to um, add fertilizer, but you have to do that to containers. Oh yeah, tomato. Uh, yeah, bring put a bring plant your flowers. Yes. Yeah, I, I am uh, revved up. Uh, looks like the rains moved through. I got a lot of planting to do. I'm very excited. Teresa, we're out of time. Uh, by the way, the website is a good one. We want to remind folks about uh, that again. Yep extension.umn.edu. Master Gardeners can't get out and talk to you, but we do have other presentations online that we're working on. Uh, So be safe and be careful out there, everybody. All right. And I would assume you're going to be busy outside as well. Yes. Try to get all your planting done before Monday because that's when the big rains are coming. And then Mother Nature will water it in and you can just relax. Yeah, I, I like it. That, that is a great plan. Well, Teresa, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining good. us. Thank you. Have a great day. Hennepin County Master Gardener Teresa Rooney joining us on our Smart Gardens program here on News Talk, K3LWCCO on that website again, extension.umn.edu in the coming weeks. Of course, uh, Mary Meyer will be joining us and Julie Weisenhorn here on the program. Smart Gardens each and every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.